Hello, this is Leslie Lello, and you are listening to my podcast. Hello there, everyone. I am Leslie Lello, and I am going to talk about today a list that I made that I was going to do for Thanksgiving, which would have been 10 things that I'm grateful for in relationship to the entertainment industry and my involvement in it and art, the art scene in general that I've, I've always been somewhat connected with for as long as I can remember. And so that was going to be a list, but I recorded it. And then I realized there's really, I could do a whole podcast of every single one of these. So I very well might, and that's where we're going today. But before I get into that, I just want to say that I mentioned in the last podcast that I was going to ponder changing the name of this podcast or, I don't know, just making sure that it really isn't a misleading title because Uh, saying how to produce movies is a bit of a boxing in for where I'm going and where I've been thus far. So it will probably change to just being my name until I figure out where it's going because I feel like I could talk about media, I could talk about movies, I could talk about creativity, and I can talk about producing, but I'm also going to talk about directing and equipment and that kind of thing. So uh, it a little bit, it boxes me in a little bit. But for people who are interested in that level of conversation, that's who this podcast is for. So I was going to begin my gratitude by saying I am grateful that I grew up in New York. And I mean my formative years, the ones, the early, early ones that were influential on me and at the time, I didn't realize how influential, but I think an adult observing me would have probably realized that the theater and entertainment aspects of my life were significant to me and had a high impact on me as a child and probably could have predicted that I would want to do it as an adult. So when I was little, I grew up in Manhattan and that was not Manhattan like it is today or was a a year ago. Now it's a little bit different vibe again, but it was working class people, a lot of them in. And so it wasn't like the shishi thing. It felt very grounded actually. And it was more dangerous than it was a year ago. I don't know how New York is right now. I can't say on personal experience. I've heard some stuff, but I couldn't speak on it. But it was a rougher place, certainly. And it was, as a child, a fantastic place. I didn't know it was rough. All I knew was that it was a lot of interactions with people. It was so interesting. We walked everywhere. I happened to grow up in a part of the city that was very green, uh, which is different than the rest of the city. And, but mostly it was just, uh, it was Con Ed buildings. It was very, uh, grounded people, normal people. And I appreciated that even though I didn't recognize it as anything unusual because it was my own little fishbowl. So that's what I knew. And so what this exposed me to 
So New New York in in the eighties was very rough, and things like theater were considered a treat, but not outrageous. Not like whole paycheck for one ticket. Outrageous. It that wasn't what theater on Broadway was at the time. So I got to see a lot of theater as a child, and like very good theater. In New York, so it influenced me a lot, and to the point that I remember. So I wanted to take tap lessons at the Ninety Second Street Y, and I, when I was like a little little kid, and then the instructor got a Broadway show, so I was not able to take tap. So I ended up taking stretching or something, which was not nearly as fun, and so. I just wanted to mention that because it was like, again, it was, in retrospect, very influential on me. But look at who was going to teach me tap dancing. That's pretty cool. And so I would go to these Broadway shows and I had a babysitter. My parents had to leave me sometimes because um, they both left early for work. So they had to leave me with a babysitter. And she had daughters. And so they were very close friends of mine. They still are. And I... We loved the show Annie, and that was so influential on my life, and I just imagined myself not just as the actress um, playing Annie, but also as the character Annie. It was the first time that I realized people dressed up and became characters, and so we would run around with, like, my mom bought me for Halloween the giant Annie wig, and I was that for Halloween, and I would just run around with with that and singing all the songs uh, from that show. And as time went on, I also would do like these random... I noticed that every time I got really into a show, I would just end up being that for Halloween, sometimes for years on end. I was a cat like forever. I was obsessed with the show Cats. Like I knew every word from that show. I got T.S. Eliot's book. Um, I just knew it front and back. And it, it was so fascinating to me, the aspect of Cats and then just living that, uh, just loving it. I can't even explain it, but it was really just something I got really into. And then I saw Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And this is what's funny, because eventually we did move to suburbia and I, we used to have this little parade in our town and the town was, uh, the, a lady came up to me, all right, in this out, I was wearing this outfit, I think it was about third grade. And she goes, what are you, dear? And I was just like, I'm the narrator from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which is so specific. <laughs> and sort of, I was obsessed with that show for a very long time. I had the Fez. I had, if you've ever seen show books from, probably not, because this is mostly a filmmaking thing, but it, I'm going to get into the film aspect later. The, this is, it was so if you get a booklet from a Broadway show and if you go back to the 80s and you can see that, it, was, um, it wasn't anything special. She had a fez on and an interesting sort of outfit. And my mom was pretty good at sewing. And so she, you know, was able to make that for me. And my dad helped make the fez. I mean, it was really kind of cool. But I think at that point, my parents should have been like, this girl really wants to be on a stage. <laughs> So, but they weren't, they were just like, go play piano girl. And so 
I, it was, but they tried. They were good. You know, at least I got to wear the costume, which was thrilling to me. And so I just think that that I'm grateful. I'm grateful that my parents were half encouraging. They're like, cool, she's into this. Let's get her a costume. And that also I had that kind of exposure. And if you have kids and, and you're exposing them to creative stuff, especially live creative stuff, it can be so enlivening. And I have to say that the happiest moments of childhood, some of them were me just really being into the music and singing the music and dancing around as a little kid to the music uh, of these Broadway shows. And so as time went on, it kind of shifted in its manifestation. I still started off as a theater actor, and that was uh, interesting. That's going to be another podcast but uh, of how that happened, but it was very interesting that I went, I always wanted to act, and I didn't know what that entailed, except that there were these Broadway people, and I knew what the shows made me feel like. Oh, and like I could tell a whole story about Rent, um, and even in the modern day, I, I, it's not, I, I understand how it's influencing me, but I loved Hamilton. Uh, didn't see it. Again, whole paycheck. I'm not really, it, it, for me, that's, there's a principle to that. I don't think it's meant for me. I don't want to support a system that's meant for the rich classes and pay that money. I'd rather, I'll watch it on television. I haven't done that yet, but the music is lovely. So I haven't paid to see Hamilton. I have a problem with spending $500 for a Broadway show. As much as I value it, I also think that that's wrong. Because, and I think it's wrong because when I would have never been able to see all the shows that I got to see if those tickets were that expensive in comparison to what, you know, people make and the expenses that they have right now. So I, I just, yeah, I haven't seen that. I did see Book of Mormon though. And that was fun. Ugh, that was fun. So anyway, I just really appreciate that I got that exposure and then I went into theater and then I went into film. It's funny because at some point there was a pivoting from this is super fun to this is a business and I think that's when I really lost interest in acting and it's been hard for me to work up the interest again. I have done some shows live theater shows that I have loved. I've gotten the lead in a few productions that I have really enjoyed and I am grateful for. But it's interesting because this past month I found somebody, I've been following someone on Facebook who has seems like a very excellent coach and she would be able to coach me on the business side and I've been teeter-tottering on whether I should engage her services or not for me it seems like a little bit crazy because again if she's like you need to get headshots I'm like I'm not going to get headshots right now that's a little bit for me I know there's other people who are like I'm not worried about this whole COVID thing I'm gonna go but I'm in a collective where that could make other people vulnerable so I'm not choosing that and same thing with uh, you know just going on to a set although I feel like that would be safer I don't believe that I would do choose that right now and so so this coach is probably not something I'm going to be uh she's not someone I'm going to be working with at the moment and I'm talking business side 
which I have never been good at. I have to admit, I have never been good at it. You, you hand me a camera, I can work it, but you hand me, you know, an agent and I'm like, oh. so I, it's very, uh, interesting how that has influenced my life. I think it kind of also goes to the question of whether monetizing something that I consider almost sacred is really uh, something uh, I want to do because there's always, oh, my brain is saying a selling out, but I don't want to put it that way because there's no judgment around the people that do choose that. None at all. Go for it. But I think internally, I stop it before it gets to that point. Or when I don't, I feel really bad. I can think of numerous times when I've used what I think is something very special, my creativity, in a way where I feel like it's not either appreciated or it's being shoved into a situation that isn't what I want it to be because of the pay. It's not, and I guess that's why it's being paid. But then again, if I talk about my producing, which in itself is a creative endeavor, there is the stuff I get paid for. So, okay, I'm not doing the stuff that I love and the stuff that I adore. And I feel like I'm on the precipice of being okay with using the acting for something that is paid, that isn't necessarily a pet project, but it pays the bills. And I feel like I've been digging my heels in, maybe because of those early childhood experiences where creativity was just elation and, and theater and acting was just super fun and play. And then you throw the business into it. But the thing is, it's interesting because then it also deadens that thing, that spark that makes not just uh, it, what I consider art and not contrived uh, creation of something that is marketable. But then it also takes away that spark is what sells my art and me. And so when I go into a situation where I'm like, this is a business situation in an entertainment business and I'm selling this service as a creative person, suddenly it's like my muse does not show up. This is all off the cuff. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to be talking about this today. This started as a an honoring of, of some aspects of my uh, entertainment experiences. Anyway, so maybe this had to be said. I hope this is maybe, I have no idea. I hope this has helped you in some way. And maybe it's a good time, I think, in general to just have gratitude. I feel that gratitude, regardless, I can say I'm grateful that I'm um, up and awake this morning and then I get to record this. I, there's so, I live in a space of gratitude as much as possible because I feel like it really greases the wheels of good life and it also creates good feeling and helps to focus on the things that, that really make life a life worth living. And I feel like that's all perception. So in the midst of what would one might consider tough times, I guess, ultimately, <laughs> this is a podcast about gratitude <laughs> and not just the entertainment industry. I'm still going to get into these other topics because I think this is a, a good 
a good vibe to have for this time where things might seem a little bit or a lot and not might things are challenging right now for a lot of people and I think that shifting focus is especially valuable right now and so this is my way of doing it by making this list and telling these stories and I hope that if you even if you didn't get anything out of it in a lesson kind of way like I'm teaching something or whatever I hope that you enjoyed my story and just know that that was an influence on my life and maybe uh, it's good if you have kids when we start going out again to show them creative works and one of my gratitudes which I'll get into another day well no I'll end on this it's it's maybe I'll go deeper another day but I just watched okay I absolutely love cheesy Christmas movies it's been it started a ritual a few years ago when I had to spend a Christmas alone and then I just became a thing where like this was like a better Christmas than I've had with people so I ended up so because I all I did that uh, week of, of Christmas was just watch cheesy, sappy Christmas movies. <laughs> and, and I sat there with my dog and my dog watched me like every two hours. I'm like, this is so beautiful. As I like started crying. Cause it's like, Oh, it's so sweet, but very cheesy. And it also made me laugh for that reason. So I watched this movie called a Christmas movie Christmas <laughs> like two days ago. And I have to say it was the happiest and most it's so it was so cheesy, but it was also cheesy in a way that it was making fun of its cheesiness. It was making fun of the cheesiness of the genre. <laughs> Yet it also made a nice little Christmas movie. So if you appreciate that genre. So I walked away from it feeling just so happy and it was so schmaltzy and it was so tug at your heartstrings in a very deliberate way and but they commented on that which is what made it especially good and because they commented in on it in a very eloquent way it was a great movie so I'm saying that because that is the power of art so if we have this whole situation where you know we watch the news and this is happening and this is happening and this is happening and this will happen and da 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 and you go back and you watch a simple Christmas movie, which is meant to just have all this, you know, gooey, happy in the feeling where the challenge is not that much of a challenge. We got to put on a Christmas show <laughs> and it has to be a, a have to have the headliner singer there. It just makes for this elated feeling. And that's the power of art, because I think that when people feel that after experiencing art like that, they are able to create great things within their own life. If they walk in the world with gratitude and with observing media that is uplifting like that, where despite everything that's going on in the world, they feel that, that is a possibility of better relationships and because then they're interacting in the space of love and uh and and joy that they got from the movie and then it's also just an, an elated feeling of maybe they're going to create something or that they will uplift other people with or they're going to write some thank you notes or that energy will be brought into the christmas cards that they write or whatever cards i'm not saying you know everyone has to be any kind of religion or even religion at all i just 
you know, I'm saying for me, when I use that term, it's me being self-referential and it's not even, that's not what this podcast is about. Anyway, thank you for listening and thank you for letting me share some of the appreciation I have for childhood. And I hope that you got something out of this and enjoyed it. And I'm always open to feedback. Yes, the name of this podcast is changing. Yes, we didn't really get into much about filmmaking, but it was more about creativity, which totally relates. And I guess we talked about uplifting films and um, and media. And so thank you. I hope you have a great day. Take care and I'll talk to you soon. This is Leslie Lello, and if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find out more and find more podcasts at howtoproducemovies.com forward slash podcasts. That's howtoproducemovies.com forward slash podcasts. 